0: I was unbalanced. Um, sorry, I I forgot to do this too. Um, there we go. Okay. Um, (laughs) wow. Uh, not having a good technology day. Okay. But, um, thank you for being here. Uh, it's good for us to be reminded that our safety is found in the Lord. Uh, we're talking about wisdom today, and we're specifically talking about what is right and just and fair, um, and how we ought to behave in the world. And I and, and I'm not a person who likes to talk about behavior. I don't I don't like to to uh, I like to stay at kind of thirty thousand feet and talk about general ideas. And I don't like to tell people how they ought to live. That's uncomfortable. Partly because like there's lots of dudes like me who have stood up here and said like don't have hair past your collar or listen to music with drums. And I just that that's not what I want to be. Um, But I think that how we ought to behave, uh, is what we're talking about and how we behave in the world uh, in, in following Jesus and, and, and living in light of his salvation and, and, and living in light of what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives, uh, is important. Uh, and it change, and, and it's important because it reflects the God that we serve and the God that we follow. And, and the reality is, is that following Jesus ought to change the way that we live our lives in both the private and the public spheres. Uh, And these are incredibly important issues. Living lives that are right and just and fair are incredibly important as we bring the good news of who Jesus is to our neighbors. Because the reality is if we're going to believe if we believe that, that, that Jesus is good news, as we bring that to our neighbors, one of the things that they're looking at is how do we live our lives? One of the and one of the barriers to people hearing the good news of Jesus in our culture has become the fact that they don't see Jesus lived out in the way that we live our lives. There's a a book that was uh came out about a year ago called You Lost Me that was very good. And it talked about how people in North America have drifted away from Christianity. And what it, it, it compiled a lot of survey data, and so you got to be careful with your survey data sometimes. But, but one of the the reasons that people were giving for their drift away from Christianity were, fought, were, were put into six groups. And, and they said that Christianity was considered to be overprotective, shallow, anti-science repressive exclusive and and doubtless now we can argue about whether or not those those six words are fair into describing the christianity christianity that they they left but i think one of the things that frustrates me is if if that Regardless of whether or not those are fair, if people are living in a way that is that is uh, that is uh, sorry overprotective, shallow, anti-science, repressive, exclusive, and doubtless, if they are living that way, it is not because they are Christian; it's because they are not Christian. And the challenge for us as people who follow Jesus is is to reform our lives, is that we're not just a little bit Christian, but that we become all the way Christian and have our lives changed because of what Jesus is do- doing. The problem with people that are rejecting Christianity is not that they are seeing people that are behaving overly Christian, is that they are seeing people who are not Christian enough. And the reality is that the cross of Jesus Christ is a stumbling block. It says that in the Bible, that that, that the idea that, that God came, died on our behalf, and that his sacrifice means something to us, changes us, and that's a stumbling block. And, and there's nothing that we can do about that. But our behavior ought not to be a stumbling block. Our behavior ought not to be something that gets in between people and the, 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 the sorry. Our behavior ought not to be something that prevents people from coming to know Jesus. And, 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 and I believe that whether or not those, those words that people are using to reject Christianity are fair, I do believe that there is often a gap between the way that we operate in the world and the way that Peter challenged us to live in the world in First Peter chapter 2, where he says, live such good lives amongst the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And this is really important because in the mind of Peter, living lives that are right and, uh, and being guided by what is right and just and fair and following every good path is a demonstration to the world of the character of the God who created and saved us. We've talked about this. What is the purpose of wisdom? It is the glory of God revealed in the same way that mountains reveal the gl- glory of God by being big and difficult to get over, in the same way that oceans reveal the glory of God by being uh, huge and powerful, humanity reveals the glory of to God by living lives that are right and just and fair in accordance with what we've been made for. So what we're going to look at in the future, specific instances of right, and ju- uh, of right and just and fair. But before we get there, we're going to nerd out a little bit on biblical studies. And I'm going to do that one because I like nerding out on biblical studies. That is a thing that is enjoyable for me, but also because there is a tragic, and it's hard to as someone who graduated from Bible college and grew up in the church, and someone who who spent my a good portion of my life wrapped up in this book, there is a huge amount of just ignorance about what this book says in the world at large, and that's a difficult thing for me to grasp sometimes. And it's also a difficult thing for me to 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 engage with uh, people at their level. There's a uh, because one of the things that's the horrible thing about living in the West is that all of us have like a tiny little bit of Bible knowledge and it's almost like we've been inoculated against actual Bible knowledge. Like we just got a little bit of it and, and we got the vaccine and, and, and now we're, we're, we're good. And it it prevents us from getting the whole thing. And this happened to me the other day because, uh, um, somebody tried to sucker me into a Facebook fight about the Bible which I can't really do, one, because, like, I don't know how to Facebook fight with people properly. Like, there's people that can do that where it stays fun, but, like, like you know, and they're kind of, like, poking at each other, but if somebody, like, suckers me into a Facebook fight, I just, I, I come in, like, like some sort of ogreish monster, and I don't know my own strength, and I'm, like, just kind of smashing tables, and people are, like, whoa, what a... So... But, uh, it was an argument. Somebody had made an argument about, about homosexuality in the Bible, and I'm not going to talk about homosexuality because that'll take us two hours down a road that we don't want to go down right now. But in turning from that, it turned into a, a conversation about what was the Bible and, and, and people brought, and I, and, and people brought me into this. And one of the statements that, that, that came out, uh, that was just universally accepted by everyone in this argument was, To be fair, we have no idea what the Bible says. Translations are not reliable. Yes, they are, actually translations are very reliable. We've been translating the Bible for over 2,000 years from its original languages in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. It's the most studied book in the last 2,000 years of human history. We have more manuscripts of the, of the Bible than we have of any other ancient historical document that we have of, of, of Homer's Odysseys or, or the accounts of Julius Caesar and Mark Anthony. Translations are reliable. They just are. And no one with half a grain of sense that hasn't just gotten all their biblical information from watching a YouTube video understands that biblical translation is a worthwhile version uh, worthwhile area of study these are the translations that exist just in English and are available on biblegateway.com these ones and These ones, because I didn't have enough room on the same slide, okay? So these are, and I can line up, and you can do this. Go to BibleGateway.com, please. It's how the sausage is made. And and you can line up any one of these side by side, and the differences between them are going to be minuscule. And sometimes those minuscule differences are incredibly important, but the reality is translations... Uh, are reliable and have worked for the last two thousand years we can go back to the Septuagint which was the original Greek translation of the Old Testament from the original Aramaic we have we have historical differences so you can go back to the original Vulgate that translated the Bible from Greek into Latin you can work with the Bible in this way and the differences between them are minor and the true critics of the Bible who want to deny its veracity or its usefulness in our society none of those them say no like sam harris the atheist or Charles, or or or, or, or christopher hitchens who's pa- since passed away or or richard dawkins none of them are saying that you can't translate the bible they're saying that you can translate it but it's not true that is a valuable argument but you can't say that we can't translate it okay it's it, language exists and still exists i'm sorry i'm getting really angry about this but uh, But critics of the Bible who understand what they're talking about criticize the Bible on the basis of dates and authorship and and what were the original sources and where did these things come from? The original sources were not Egyptian mythology. That is complete and utter nonsense. There's no truth to that at all. Anyway. um, uh, This is the problem. We're not telling the truth. And when we talk, we don't talk about like, this is why you can trust the Bible. This is why it's worthwhile and has some wisdom. We talk about like, what bathrooms should people use? So when we start to talk about stuff that's important, nobody listens to us. So everything that we say just gets thrown into the garbage pail because we've been talking about nonsense for the last 100 to 200 years and we haven't bothered talking about justice and mercy and peace and the greater points of the law. We've been tithing our mint and our dill and our, sorry, we've been tithing our mint and our dill and our cumin and we've neglected justice and mercy and love, the greater points of the law. We should have done one and not forgotten about the other. This is what we've been called to do. And if we're arguing about like, why doesn't the world listen to us? It's because they don't like our music. No, that's not it. It's because we've been talking nonsense for for thousands of years and doesn't actually affect people's lives i'm sorry that i'm this angry about it i was called a fraud this week on social media somebody said you're not a pastor you're a fraud that's why not a lot of people attend your church and uh and because i'm a a wise person i just deleted them and deleted the entire comment thread because i didn't want to engage with them but what i thought in my head was if i was a fraud a lot of people would attend my church that's how it works um we're constantly translating. We've even updated our translations from the Dead Sea Scrolls and recent archeological foundations. Uh, archeologists still use the Bible as a, a, as a foundational book, because if the Bible says that a city is in such and such a place and they go and dig in that place, there's a city there. None of that proves that Jesus is the son of God and that he rose in the third day, according to the scriptures and that he is returning again in glory to, to, to judge the living and the dead. But, you can trust this book is says what it says it is. But to dismiss it because no one can translate ancient Hebrew, that, that has no validity at all. So we're going to focus on translating ancient Hebrew because I don't want you to be ignorant. Um, so when we talk about right and just and fair, those words come from Proverbs 2. And, and they come from the, fa- from, from the writer of Proverbs saying, If we follow the Lord, then he will guide us in wisdom. What is right and just and fair every good path. And those words are very important. Those words are, are tzedek, Mishpat, and Musharim. Okay. Those are the words that we're using or Mesarim, sorry. Um, Musharim depends on, on your version of the, 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 the vowels. Um, so we're t- these are the words that we're talking about in, in, in ancient Hebrew when we talk about what is right and just and fair. And they t- push us in a certain direction, uh, each of them, uh, into in, in what we ought to do when we consider wise living. And also, they work together to form a construct that, that's going to guide our behavior. So we're going to start with Sedek. And tzedek is translated in the Bible a couple hundred times in Hebrew. And these are the ways that it's translated, Uh, and and you can see what they are. They're accurate, fair, just, just cause, just righteous, righteously righteous, vindication, what is right, and and this word "sedeq" is is used to describe the the way things ought to be the way things ought to be carried out it's it's sometimes used to to describe measurements and calculations that 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 you would have your measurements right or you would have your math right as you're doing sums and adding things up um or your maths if we're uh, really concerned about sorry that I find that hilarious um the, but but making sure that things are proper and even and accurate. So this is what what is right. Cedeck is what is right, and that's in a, in a way that we could see this working in the the this idea working itself out in the Bible. Comes in the New Testament in First John, where John says, "This is how we know the children who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are." Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother or sister. So we're talking about right behavior, right? That the, We can all understand the difference between right and wrong. And while we have nuances and difference, b- differences between what is right and what is wrong, we all have an idea that there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. You know, C.S. Lewis has said, there's some people that have denied that there is an overarching morality for humanity because different cultures have different versions of morality, and that's true. But C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity that, that there has never been a culture that had no version of morality. There's never been a culture wherein lying was lying and cheating was considered honorable. And um, the famous C.S. Lewis quote is: "There may have been cultures where there was where there was uh, disagreements whether you should have one wife or seven, but no one has ever said that you should just have anyone who you like." Right? There's a difference that there is an overarching morality in our, and built into us as human beings, so we understand that there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. Second word is Ms. Pat. Which is a different kind of, of right. Because this one, as you can see, arrangements, case, case, cause, charge, uh, dis- judgments, uh, ordinances, plans, practices, procedures, properly. Those are all the ways, different ways this is translated. This is a different kind of right and justice. Because now we're moving from the, just the general idea of like, this is what is proper, to now we're moving into the, the, the rules which govern our society. Okay. These are, this word is used almost, uh, specifically in a legal context. Obeying the rules that we have made together and following customs. And especially in the Old Testament, it's very important, uh, and this comes out over and over and over again, that everyone have equal access to justice and the justice system. And that the rules that we have constructed for how we ought to operate uh, together as a society, just to make the world work properly, uh, should be applied to everyone equally, regardless of their situation, regardless of economic situation, regardless of ethnic origin, regardless of any other things, that people should have equal. Will access and be judged by the same standard when it comes to their behavior according to the rules of our society. This is how this would be used in Leviticus 22. Uh, you are to have the same law for the foreigner and the native born. I am the Lord, your God. Okay. Okay very simple idea that you can't have different sets of laws based on where people come from. Okay. This is kind of what Ms. Pat is talking about the laws that our society gives and the rules that we uh, operate ourselves by. And then we have this word, me, uh, mesharim, or uh, mesharim is probably the better way to pronounce it. And this is interesting because it talks about equity and peaceful arrangement, right? Things, things that are smooth, things that are upright. Um, this is interesting because this is also a word that you would use in carpentry. If you were going to make straight lines, you would, this is the word that you would use for it. If you were going to have proper joins, this would be the word that you would use. You would say that they were uh, fair and proper. And this is an important, uh, important word because it talks about equity and and things being equitable between human beings. Uh, the way that this idea would be used comes from James too, and James so deeply imbued in this uh, uh, wisdom literature has this to say in James 2. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Okay, so we can see how that is used, that we ought not to treat people differently based on the way they appear or their socioeconomic status. This is is what we're talking about when we talk about Mesharim, that people should have fair treatment. Now, one of the things that I want to talk about as we talk about Sedeq and Mizpat and Mesharim is that these are not just synthetic parallelism. These are not parallelism. These are not just synonyms. These are, uh, they're not just repeating the same idea. These are ideas that work in concert with each other. Because the reality is in a complex world, and this is a very complex world, there are times when what is right, what is the good thing to do, is not legal, Right? Uh, there, there are times when we have to say that the rules of our society are unjust and therefore we're going to have to do the right thing, which means that we break the law. Uh, um, there was a, uh, U S Senator, uh, or sorry, house representative, John Lewis talked about it this week. He was a member of the, the, the sit-ins around Selma, around the times of the civil rights, uh, the, the civil rights demonstrations in the sixties. And he called it good trouble. There's sometimes that, that in order to do the right thing, you have to get in good trouble where you do what is right despite uh, it not being quite legal. And sometimes what is legal is not right or fair right? We've seen that in, in, in court decisions that have been made recently in our country. We've seen this in court decisions that favor rich corporations over the, the over the rights of individual citizens. Sometimes people can follow all of the rules created by our society for, for the way that we operate together. And all of us look at it and say, that is not right. And that is not fair. I don't care if it's legal or not. It needs to be changed. Okay. And then sometimes as much as we dislike this, sometimes what is equitable, what is fair, equal distribution, isn't right or just. Sometimes that's not the right thing to do. And sometimes it, and, and uh, one of the you know sometimes it's too simple just to say, "Well, everybody gets a, an equal share of everything all the time." That's not the, equi- that, that's not the right thing to do, sometimes. And this is a complex world full of complex situations. And, and sometimes people who follow the Lord are going to have vastly different opinions about what is right and just and fair. And sometimes what is people who love and follow the Lord are just going to not understand what is right and just and fair because we live in such a complex world. I don't know whether or not Britain should exit the European Union. I, it, it doesn't really like, I don't, I, lots of people are talking about it as if they understand it completely. I don't feel like we do. And there's so many situations like that where we approach it, we can't approach it with this idea that like I know everything. But if we're going to humbly come to a complex world full of complex situations, this like concept of, of right and just and fair are going to have to, are, are going to have to form the ideas that we use as we approach the world. Because what is right and just and fair is going to look an awful lot like loving God with your entire heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. And what is right and just and fair is going to look like what uh, Peter challenges us to later. When he says this in the same book as he said, live such good lives amongst the pagans that they accuse you of doing wrong. They will glorify your father on the day he glorify your father in heaven on the day he visits us. This is what he says later. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but on the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. This is what it looks like when we live out what is right and just and fair. Now, unfortunately, this doesn't give us, ru- ru- I, this doesn't necessarily give us the ideas about what is the best way to distribute economic po- policy. This doesn't give us the, 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 all of the, the foundations for, for, for laying out what is the best way to make environmental laws so that we leave a planet worth living on for our descendants. This doesn't, uh, uh, the, the, this doesn't answer the question of, of of how we ought to live together and, and, and the laws that we make that govern our behavior towards one another. And this doesn't even dictate how we do this within the church because the reality is sometimes we're going to disagree on what is right and just and fair. But what I want us to do is to have those ideas ingrained in us. That what we're pursuing when we make decisions about how we treat other people, how we use our money, how we use our time, and how we use our power is what we're pursuing in this world in accordance with what God has called us is what is right, the good things that bring good good outcomes to most people, what is just, what is... In as, in as much as is possible, in accordance with the rules that we have made to just make this society work properly and well, and what is fair and what is equitable. Those are the standards that we're going to live by, even in the midst of disagreement. So the challenge for us is that we're all people with opinions, and some of those opinions have been built off of education and reading and, 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 and learning and, and interacting with other people. And some of those opinions are knee-jerk uh, reactions to things. And all of us are guilty of it. But the challenge for us is, are we willing to have our opinions changed by what is right and just and fair? Are we willing to truly examine the way that we approach the world and say, okay, is this right? Is this just? Is this fair? And in the midst of that, run it through this filter where we're saying, is it sympathetic? Is it compassionate and humble? Am I repaying evil with evil or insult with insult? Or am I repaying evil with blessing? Because that's what we've been called to. And that is what demonstrates the glory of God to this world in, in which we live. And that is what ultimately brings the most blessing and the most joy to the most people. While that feels incredibly utilitarian to say, that's what the Bible has called us to. So let's pray together. God, in a complex world, it is very difficult to discern what is right and just and fair. And over the next weeks, we will we will examine hard issues of, of what what should we do with the money that, that you've given us? What should we do with the time that you've given us? How, how ought we, we to relate to other people in terms of politics or sexuality? How... How ought we to engage with a world that disagrees with us often, God? And it's so easy for us to resort to fear. It's so easy for us to resort to anger. It's so, it's so easy for us to, to retreat to our corners and, and huddle with, 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 with unexamined ideas and, and, and to not confront what is going on in our, arm, in our own hearts and minds to see is this right? Is this just? Is this fair? We trust that as we examine these, you will begin to change our hearts and our minds. That we will be made new and transformed by the renewing of our minds. And that in following you, we will bring this world blessing. Because that is what you have done for this world. And we are called to follow you. And we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.